0: get down to business join seasoned entrepreneur community leader and army veteran scott shalom klein who will take you behind the scenes with those who work in america's small business scene and speak with leaders making an impact creating jobs and telling their story in entrepreneurship so let's get down to business on am 560 the answer here's your host shalom klein
1: And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your O'Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts, our website at syklein.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. So, indeed, a jam-packed week. So let's jump right in. I'm thrilled to be joined by Christina Curtis, who is the founder of Curtis Leadership Consulting based in Denver, Colorado, who supports a range of high-achieving clients from world-class entrepreneurs to Fortune 500 executives to Olympic athletes. A thought leader on motivation and goal attainment, she has written articles and has been featured in Harvard Business Review, Forbes Psychology Today, Entrepreneur in Fortune Magazines. She earned her bachelor her master's degree rather, in organizational psychology, is certified in neuroleadership And is an accredited master coach, designation held by less than 2% of coaches globally. Thrilled to be joined by Christina Curtis. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. Absolutely. So, Christine, I always love to start at the very beginning in understanding your motivation, your your expertise. You've done a lot. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you became a certified master business coach, and why you're so passionate about it. In fact, writing the new book, Choosing Greatness: An Evidence Based Approach to Achieving Exceptional Outcomes.
2: Gosh, from the very beginning. Well, let me, let me give you the really short story uh, of of my career, which is uh, starting sales, was working for Xerox, loving life, um, but was really curious about this whole concept of entrepreneurship and what does it look like to work on your own and um, and be the master of your own destiny where there's no ceiling on income earnings and potential and there's no limitation to what you can take on. And Uh, when I was, I don't know, gosh, about 20 years ago, I decided to jump out and make that crazy wild leap into the unknown of entrepreneurship and, um, and, and really found that actually it was about choosing what I wanted, being really crystal clear, spending the time, taking a step out of the day-to-day busyness to spend the time and choose what I wanted my future to look like and just incrementally work towards that day by day by day. And, um, 20 years looking back, it's quite amazing, actually, what you can accomplish, right? It's, a, it's never Indeed. a linear line, but you do
1: end up in some magical places. Indeed, and to quote a wise woman, you chose greatness. We're going to talk mm-hmm. all about that. So, uh, Christina, that's uh, that's an amazing uh, background. I'm chatting with Christina Curtis, who, in her new book, Choosing Greatness, talks with some of the greatest leaders in our generation, Richard Branson, um, and uh, the CEO of Overstock.com, Jonathan Johnson. The list goes on and on. Um, but one of the things that you talk about in the book, Christina, is how habits can hijack our relationships and results. Mm-hmm. I know your book is filled with stories. Let's talk about some of the examples that you've seen in your in your career.
2: Yeah, I've been doing executive coaching for two decades now. And uh, what I find is a consistent experience for people is this sense of missing out, right? It's like, gosh, is this, is, is this isn't quite where I thought I'd be at this age, or this isn't quite the title I thought I'd have, or not the amount of money I thought I would have at this age, or gosh, not the relationships. And I started getting into the research around why is it that we have this sense of missing out? What is that feeling of missing out on our full potential? And, um, and when it comes down to is habits, there are certain habits that hijack our happiness, that hijack our relationships, that hijack our results, that I found to be consistent across individuals. And so I put together this book on, on the key habits that do hold us back. Things as simple as being so busy, we forget to invest in the relationships that matter most. And suddenly we look up and feel a sense of distance with the people who are core to our core to our bill being. And so I interview people in the book who are not just titans of industry who have exceed, exceeded expectations from a results perspective, But who are happy? It was like a prerequisite. I'm like, we can meet. I'm glad you're a billionaire. Are you happy? (laughs) Are you actually happy?
1: Absolutely. Christina, one of the things that I find uh, fascinating, and I can relate to this personally, is that I'd say most business executives that I know are really good at reacting, really good at being that Mm -hmm. firefighter to make sure that we deal with the the, the things that happen, whether it's in our personal life or professional life. But one of the things that you talk about is responding versus reacting. Let's talk a little bit about that and, and some of the things that you've seen with some real life examples.
2: Yeah. Generally speaking, the brain is an economical organ, so it will not make new decisions if another one is working can just fine. It just, it's, it's not built to go out and build new decisions every day. That is not how it is structured. And so in order to save fuel, it plugs in behaviors and um, experiences of feelings that you've had before into the present. And so you think about, I'll, I'll give you a live example. Yesterday, I had a full workday packed. I was super excited about it. I went to bed too late because I was watching a movie with my son. Uh, I didn't sleep well because i would had two glasses of wine. I wake up and I'm like, God, I'm not in a good mood. Like I'm just burnt out and tired. And And so instead of choosing how to engage in my first meeting, I just showed up and brought that energy with me. And um, luckily, I caught myself uh, as I was jumping on Zoom. and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not the energy I need to choose how I want to show up because how I show up and engage will determine how my day plays out. And so had I not caught myself, I would have just reacted to whatever was coming at me with the mood that I was experiencing instead of hitting pause, taking two minutes and being like, got it. Yeah, I'm depleted. Yeah, I'm tired. How do I want to choose to show up for this day so that I can amplify every minute spent and make the most of it, and um, and actually grow today as both a person and uh, help support my clients? So, reacting and responding are actually quite different
1: experiences. We're talking about choosing greatness and evidence based approach to achieving exceptional outcomes. Came- came out in uh, May of this year, and I'm chatting with the author, Christina Curtis, who combines her decades of practical experience with conversations from some of the greatest leaders in our generation. We might have a minute or two to talk about that. But Christina, um, you know, isn't that cool that especially in this day and age, so much happening on Zoom, I guess that's both a blessing and a curse that sometimes we have that opportunity to even moments before literally turning that video on and starting that conversation, we can, you know, shake hands with your inner critic, which I know is something that you talk about in the book. But also sometimes it's like our lives are so blended together, isn't it?
2: Yeah, completely. And um, and I do find that you talk about the inner critic. One of the things that happens reactively, just habitually every day, is whatever's going on in your head or on inner talk track. And so let's just say you had a meeting and it didn't go well. Traditionally, what people have done is beat themselves up. We're really hard on ourselves. In fact, I think I grew up with this concept of tough love being a really good thing. And the more we learn from a brain perspective, the more we realize that actually being really hard on yourself puts you into a defensive posture. And so you end up moving into self-protective mode versus goal-directed mode. You play a little smaller. You get a little more anxious before calls. You may not even speak up in the next meeting because you were so hard on yourself and you were so worried about how you looked. And so when I study uh, the way that Olympic athletes, as an example, approach setbacks, uh, and the talk tracks that they use, they are supportive. They're not overwhelmingly positive and flowery like Stuart Smiley of the day of um, Saturday Night Live, right? I'm good enough, I'm smart enough and, and doggone at people like me, but they're not that dissimilar. If you hit a setback, it's just a data point. It's like, got it, how can I adjust? Okay, sure, that didn't go as planned. What, what do I do next? And so in the book, I really explore this concept of shaking hands with your inner critic because that is one of the habitual behaviors, how we talk to ourselves internally that I see is the number one setback for people from a success and happiness standpoint.
1: Absolutely. And I would be remiss, Christine, if I did not talk about some of the folks that you talked to, because this is really not just a book, um, but really these are a lot of amazing stories and amazing insights from folks that are truly leaders in uh, in their own industry. Uh, you talked to Olympic medalists and folks like the CEO of the Virgin Group, Richard Branson, the CEO, of, the CEO of Overstock, and the list goes on and on. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the big nuggets and takeaways that you've had in those conversations?
2: Yeah. Uh, and and Lara American was another one who was the founder of Lara Bar uh, that I engaged, and she was my first my first conversation around this concept of choosing what you want and how that drives clarity for everything you do every day. Uh, I would say every person I spoke to took the time and continues to take the time a couple times a year to step out of the busyness, step away, and actually think through what's working in my life and where am I not happy? Where is the friction that is not uh, driving the results of relationships that I want? And then choosing to do something else with that, choosing to have a different outcome. And that sounds so simple, but actually what happens is we just wake up and play whack-a-mole with emails and calendar invites and go from one thing to the next. Uh, I'm a working mom. And so throw on top of that, driving kids to school, driving kids to camp and figuring out what everybody's going to do for the afternoon or eat for dinner with my husband, whatever it might be. Uh, we don't really step aside to say, am I happy? Is this what I want? Is this the outcome I want to be choosing? Each one of those leaders does take time, even with their spouse to go away for two, two, three days in the year to just reflect on where are we living the lives to fully and where do we want to make changes uh, and then holding each other accountable to that. And so being really thoughtful about your Mm -hmm. goals uh, is one of the key
1: drivers Well, lots of great uh, insights from those conversations, and you share them, again, in your book, Choosing Greatness, an evidence-based approach to achieving exceptional outcomes. Again, we've been chatting with Christina Curtis. Christina, I want to make sure our listeners know how they could get in touch with you, and, of course, pick up a copy of the book. Where can they do that?
2: Choosing Greatness is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it. uh, Go check it out. And then, of course, come find me. I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Christina Curtis, and also at CurtisLeadership.com looking forward to continuing the conversation.
1: Well, Christina really enjoyed our conversation and certainly to sharing this conversation with all of our listeners. We'll uh, link in the show notes as well, which is available on my website, sycline.com, And of course, on all of your favorite podcast apps, you can check it out. Just search for Get Down to Business on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever podcasts may be found. Quick break. We'll be right back on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, this show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I've got a real treat in store for you. I'm thrilled to be joined by the CEO of Bank Productions, executive producer, entrepreneur, and thought leader in the entertainment industry. That is John Edmonds Cosma, who has changed how the comedy industry conducts business. Again, this is a unique kind of segment for us here. Um, Bank Productions has been offering an entirely new approach to entertainment called the micro studio. We're going to talk all about finding a perfect audience, and so much more. John Edmonds, Cosmo, thanks so much for joining us.
3: What's going on, Shalom? How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm fantastic. It's great to have you on. Uh, I've been checking out some of your podcasts as well, Unimpressed Podcast, Um, and I got to say, I'm impressed, so uh, I don't fall into that bucket. I'm very impressed with you and your background, and I'd like to start at the very beginning, John. Tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how it led to launching the amazing work at Bank Productions.
3: Well, I was in television uh, for several years in production, started music videos and developed about a thousand shows and only sold three. So one to USA Network and one to History Channel and got kind of aggravated with the television industry and went to social media. And when I looked at social media and looked at the tools behind it, you know, I said, hey, I said, I can create my own network and just went to work. Uh, was going to start developing shows, kind of using social at the time in 2016, but found a kid uh, in Alabama. He was living in a trailer in the middle of Talladega National Forest, and we signed him July 24th, 2016, when I couldn't find a comedy manager to help me. They said he doesn't need a manager. Uh, he's five-year development. So we went to work, and by discovery, you know, we discovered this blueprint with social media uh, with him because he had a 90% female fan base, and I think we did, from signing him from the trailer, we did $600,000 in business from July to the end of that year in 2016, and then took him to, just for laughs, the Super Bowl comedy in two years from the trailer park with the model. Uh, And so we doubled down on that blueprint, built our own universe, and uh, it changed how comedy did business.
1: I love it. I love it. And you're working with some pretty major brands and it must be working because you are the subject matter expert in everything production, content distribution, brand integration. And uh, you describe yourself by helping uh, save money and time by helping you focus on your target market, but also where Hollywood meets Silicon Valley, aka the Silicon of the South entertainment through tech. Um, and so I want to I dive into that because honestly, as my dad would always say, it's all widgets. You talk a lot about qualitative and quantitative data and getting it right. What's the secret sauce of Bing productions?
3: Well, one, one thing I think people forgot about is law of attraction. Um, and when you understand that social media emulates human behavior, right? So if you just take out the algorithm and then so, the social platform emulates what a human does, uh, when you start to understand that the algorithm and you stay consistent against that algorithm, uh, you can be very successful. Because what I heard in in this world is the advertisers are very, very scared. You know, the visibility is in social, but the big money is still in mainstream. So I knew whenever, you know, the ad world can really understand the consistency, that money's going to move to the micro world of of social. And I don't think it fully has went there yet, but I wanted to position myself to be the guy that kind of took elements of Silicon Valley, elements of Hollywood, you know, and meshed them together because I believe that's the future.
1: Absolutely, which is an amazing model. And uh, I want to talk about some success stories. You have some pretty impressive names on your website, which we'll get our listeners to. But what do you do in, uh, in, in sort of turning things around? Uh, again, I know you have a lot of success. You have some pretty big names. What success story that you can share with our listeners?
3: Well, you know, I, th- I think it's being able to birth or rebirth anything and, and creating a pure source client fan customer. And you can do that with content when I, cause I'm writing a book called uh, finding a perfect audience. And I would found out a way to eliminate unconscious bias because, you know, when we're born, we bring a lineage to the table. We, we, we arrive in an environment and obviously there's attributes within that that drive someone down a certain path. But as you start to build, you got to understand that, you know, you're being programmed through your subconscious. Right. And then later in life, you respond to things with your unconscious bias, which depending on how the programming is, it eliminates you to get to consciousness. Right. So if you apply that to content and you make content that's relatable, entertaining and educational, and you shoot that out in a wide space. However that tone is conveyed by law of attraction without selling them anything, you can start building a pure source sor- you can start building a pure source customer, fan, client, what have you. Does that make sense?
1: It does indeed. It does indeed. Again, I'm chatting with John Edmonds Cosma, who is the CEO of Bang Productions, again, an executive producer, entrepreneur, and thought leader, and frankly, all-around funny kind of guy. Um, so again, as, as we've been talking about, you've made a radical change in cracking the code on creating celebrities without a Hollywood studio's backing. Um, and uh, the, the the metrics really speak for themselves. You're talking about millions, in fact, even billions of, uh, of followers and And listeners and so on. Um, What's your uh, what's your biggest accomplishment, John?
3: You know, biggest accomplishment. I mean, we based on the blueprint we did with Darren, uh, we became one of thirty companies in the world uh, that's a Meta media partner, and we've been a Meta partner for about four years. I mean, there's Studio Seventy Ones in that group, which is a Mark Cuban company, Uh, and then this year, uh, TikTok came looking at us, and we are now one of the first major U.S. agencies for TikTok's live creator network. So I think being able to do that kind of organically and authentically based on the work we've done, um, I think is a big deal for for one guy and a small staff, uh, you know, to operate at that level using technology. So I, I would say that's probably a pretty big accomplishment.
1: That is a huge accomplishment, my friend. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's fantastic. So obviously we're having this conversation in the latter half of 2023. Can't believe it. we're at the end of July. Uh, bang productions has experienced some remarkable growth, your platforms, John, um, the, uh, unimpressed podcast and, and, uh, some other uh, platforms that you have going on. I know you've been featured on NBC, ABC, CBS and vice news. Where do you anticipate things going and, and what's sort of the landscape of the media market for our listeners, especially, uh, gearing this conversation towards small business owners?
3: I think you got to look at a la carte business, you know, uh, micro programming. I think this thing with TikTok, with our live programming is micro TV development. Uh, and when I say, you know, in, when I mentioned, you know, your subconscious, unconscious bias and consciousness before, you know, these elements are kind of linear in society, uh, if that makes sense and applies to business as well, because I think businesses stay within their environment and try to appease their own environment and they kind of miss what society is doing. So when you think about micro TV development with live content at TikTok, and then you look at, you know, under 30, people do not want to pay for, uh, you know, Netflix for fourteen ninety nine dollars a month. And this is going to be where people are going to go through the week and say, hey, I want to pay 199 on Tuesday for this. I want to pay $499 on Friday for this. And that's how a la carte program is going to be. And I think a lot of businesses will be the same way uh, because that's what's playing out society. And that was set up probably 10 years ago when they developed the apps that had the micro payments within the apps uh, they kind of put this mindset in in the younger people at that time.
1: Absolutely. Again, been chatting with the one and only John Edmonds, Cosmosy of Bank Productions, host of the Unimpressed podcast. The list goes on and on. John, I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you and your team. How can we do that?
3: Uh, you can reach me on my Instagram. It's John E. Cosma K-O-Z-M-A or John Google John Edmonds Cosma J O H N E D M O N D S K O Z M A or our website uh company website Bang Productions T V dot com. Uh there's plenty of stuff there to find us
1: and I can't wait to see that new book when it comes be, when it comes out so be sure to uh, let us know and we'll bring you back on the program what a great conversation what a great bunch of uh, information here on the show about small business shops and entrepreneurship get on my website sycline.com we've got a lot more in store for you this week on the show so don't touch that dial get on my website sycline.com get on your favorite podcast app subscribe rate review and share it makes it even easier for others to find the program we'll be right back Hey, we're back on the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. And guess what? We've got the guru, the guru of everything health insurance, everything Affordable Care Act, and that is the one and only Tom Murabali, who you can contact through his website, healthplanchicago.com, or of course, give him a call, 630-863-3477, 630-863-3477. Tom Murabali, the guru himself, welcome back to Get Down to Business. Well, hi. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. You know what? I get to talk to you and talk about health insurance and how we can get people um, affordable, truly affordable options. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about, my friends. Um, how has the Tom Mirabali hotline been going? Any interesting calls lately?
4: Uh, no, just uh, it's, yeah, it, well, everything's really kind of interesting, especially when I lay out how much uh, people are going to be paying for uh, an affordable care plan. And they, the, Traditionally, uh, I've been selling, um, you know, the short-term major medical policies, and um, it's uh, the short-term plan. It's it's fabulous. It's a PPO, two million dollars worth of coverage. You can um, uh, renew uh, constantly, but Governor Pritzker uh, places a, a six-month limit. On a particular company, let's say United Healthcare, Golden Rule. I can put a person into that short term PPO plan for six months, 180 days. Then, after 180 days, um, Governor Pritzker wants a 61 day waiting period before we can put the client back into Golden Rule United Healthcare. So, I have three other companies that I use to do the 61 day break, and it, it's working out. Perfectly. Because I call the people uh, 60, 90 days before their uh, short-term uh, plan expires, and then we just sign them up again with uh, Pivot Health um, or National General. They have short-term plans. And it works out great. People love it. No mandatory maternity. They save maybe $1,000 a month off of or more off of the uh, uh, using my plans rather than the Affordable Care Act plans.
1: Well, that's what matters, honestly, to families, to business owners. Indeed, everybody wants to make sure that they are getting the plan that is affordable, that is in the uh, that is in the title, isn't it? After all, so Tom, you have the ability to really shop around and not take a one size fits all approach when it comes to uh, finding folks' coverage. Is that right?
4: Correct. Correct. I have like four. Other insurance carriers that are not in compliance with the Affordable Care Act on these short term major medical plans. And these major medical plans, you can use them anywhere, even outside of the United States in an emergency situation. Um, with the Affordable Care Act, you're paying for things uh, that you really don't need. What does a 55 year old person or a 45 year old person uh, need maternity coverage for? Uh, when you have the Affordable Care Act, you have to pay for that all the way up to your 65th birthday. That's ridiculous. So uh, just getting rid of that saves clients, even younger clients, uh, $400, 500 $600 per month, per month. And my deductibles are, uh, I sell 100% plans after a $2,500 deductible. That's your total cash out of pocket. And with the Affordable Care Act, It's $9,300 total out-of-pocket cost before the Affordable Care Act starts paying at 100% of your medical. Absolutely.
1: That's ridiculous. Absolutely. It it is. And, you know, Tom, you, you touched on something really, really interesting, um, which is that ability to cover folks when they're traveling, because I think that that's happening more and more. And it's, you know, just one of the realities, call it good, bad, whatever you want. Um, But the reality is that folks have this global um, sort of approach it's a global economy these days. That's a reality. And, and folks are traveling and you have the ability to find them options that will ensure that they, their employees and their families are covered, which is great. So Tom, you know, as we have this conversation, gosh, at the end of July of 2023, I can't believe we're already here. What are some of the yeah. things that uh, what are some of the sort of secrets, um, both in terms of deadlines and plans that you want our listeners to know in our last minute remaining here?
4: Well, uh, my plans you can uh, sign up for at any time during the year. There's no uh, open enrollment. Um, My plans are group association plans, meaning that uh, whenever you purchase one of my plans, you have the option when my plan ends – You have 63 days to get into the Affordable Care Act. Example, let's say you're on my plan for six months, and um, after the six months, uh, you become insulin-dependent diabetic. Well, you cannot get my plan because you have a pre-existing condition. Then you have 63 days from the termination of the short-term plan to get into the Affordable Care Act because it's a group association Mm -hmm. plan.
1: Well, well, Tom, I I have to leave it there because we're running out of time because the most important thing that we can do is get people in touch with you and uh, your website and your phone number. How can people uh, follow up with you if they want to learn more? Just
4: have them give me a call at (laughs) 630-863-3477.
1: Well, 6308-633-3477, healthplanchicago.com, for all of your health insurance and Affordable Care Act needs. Um, T Mirabali at yahoo.com, T-M-I-R-O-B-A-L-L-I at yahoo.com. I know you respond to messages usually within just literally minutes, uh, but we need to give you a couple hours' sleep, Tom, as well. For the guru of everything health insurance and Affordable Care Act, Tom Mirabali, thanks as always for joining us. Yes, sir. Have a great day. You too. We've got to squeeze in a quick break here on the show of small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We will be right back when we return in just a moment. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So just moments ago in the show, uh, I mentioned the new normal, a global economy, a uh, worldwide disruption that has shaken up the economy and society like a 7.6 scale on the Richter scale. The idea that we are returning to normal or establish a new normal, I know our next guest says, is preposterous. We've undergone a profound change in normal and that makes it inconceivable that a new normal can superimpose itself on our society. And that's why I am thrilled to be joined by Alan White. A consultant, speaker, and author through his consulting firm, Summit Consulting Group, has worked with more than 500, that's right, 500 leading organizations, including some very big names, including the Federal Reserve, New York Times, and has published 60 books, many of which are on the curricula at top business schools. His newest book Uh, Sentient sentient, um, Strategy, How to Create Market-Dominating Strategies in Turbulent turbulent Economies, uh, just came out in March. And you can learn more at alanweiss.com. Dr. Alan Weiss, welcome to the program. Thank
5: you. Happy to be here.
1: Absolutely. So uh, that's quite an impressive background. So you've seen a thing or two over your decades in business. Um, Have you ever seen anything like the times that we're in right now? And why are you steering away from terms of new normal? You've seen it all.
5: Well, I have seen uh, times like this, and the fact is that uh, there is no new normal. There's no return to normal. I have trademarked the term no normal. Uh, And we have to get used to this kind of constant change. This is the world we live in now. And besides, normal means typical or average. And I don't think we want to return to typical or average or create typical and average. So we've learned a lot from the pandemic. We've learned a lot from financial crises. We've learned a lot from the geopolitical messes around the world. Uh, And it's time we took advantage of it and not run from it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And that's great that you've taken that um, really stable approach um, to this process. And I think a lot of folks have have really been shaken up and they start using a term like strategic planning, making sure that we can overcome uh, the next pandemic and, uh, again, live in this new normal. But you write in the book um, that uh, strategic planning is really an oxymoron. Explain what you mean, Alan.
5: Strategy kill, uh, excuse me, planning kills strategy because planning is bottom up. You start at the bottom, what's your uh, quota for next year, what your expectation for next year. By the time it gets to executives, their hands are tied. Strategy, however, is top down. And so strategy creates a picture of the future. It's a what, it's what you wanna become. And you don't deal with tactics, you don't deal with how, that prohibits companies from growing and changing. You start with that picture of the future. That's a very important distinction. And in my strategy work, I have found that companies and executives and board members tend to default to the how. They default to tactics because there's more immediate gratification. So we have to discipline ourselves to truly look at the future. And sentient strategy does that for about a year. Looking forward for five years or 10 years and spending months setting strategy, that is an exercise in futility.
1: Absolutely. So what length of time should a business strategy encompass when you sort of give, go away from that term strategic planning, a business strategy? What, what period of time should we be looking at?
5: What I have found in my experience is that right now in this day and age, 12 to 15, 12 to 18 months, something there. But in addition, you have to use the strategy as an organic document. And so it has to guide the decisions that set the nature and direction of the business on a daily basis. So, you know, you never hear somebody saying, congratulations, you had a great quarter. However, you didn't make much progress to our strategic goals, and that's not good. They just congratulate people on the quarter. Uh, Sentient strategy is a different way of looking at that because if executives aren't setting and holding people accountable for strategy, then no one is.
1: Absolutely. So, in your book, you describe the many ways that organizations can derail strategy once they move to implementation. Why does this happen, and what are key ways that organizations can bridge strategy formulation and implementation?
5: Well, that's a great question, and a great couple of questions. And the answer is the same, and that is accountability. And what I stress with sentient strategy and in the book and in the implementation itself is that uh, you can't leave the strategic formulation process. Because let's face it, no strategy fails in formulation. They fail in implementation. So you can't leave the process without clear accountabilities about who is going to do what and produce what and implement what, uh, overseen by the team and overseen by the CEO or the business owner. And so consequently, we encourage and enforce strategic implementation at the highest levels, highest quality, uh, because people walk out accountable for achieving this bridge, uh, involving others in the organization, sometimes involving investors, involving uh, clients, customers. But it's, but what happens normally is that after you walk out of the strategic session exhausted, that's it. Nobody does anything.
1: Indeed, uh, that is so common, um, and uh, I know from sitting in uh, both public and private uh, sessions of that kind. You know, it's uh, it's sort of that that time dump and that uh, time drain that takes place. But again, what do you have to show for it? And I know that's exactly the point um, that you talk about in your book, which we're going to share with our listeners again in just a moment. So, I mean, Alan, I have to zoom out for just a quick moment before we head to break. Uh, what? In, in your time, what is the, what is the uh, sort of point in history that you can point to either in your lifetime or just from analyzing history uh, that is most similar to what we've experienced over these past three years?
5: Well, most recently, go back to the financial crisis you know, early in the 2000s. Uh, before that, there have been recessions. Uh, before that, there have been technological breakthroughs. I mean, don't forget, nobody predicted the internet. We're really lousy at looking to the future if you, if you basically boil it away. No one, no one predicted the internet. And so consequently, there's going to be more things. This happened to be a microbe. There'll be more things. I'm waiting for them to dig down an Antarctic ice and find a true alien artifact somewhere from outer space. We'll see what happens then.
1: <laughs> Ain't that true? Again, I've been chatting with Dr. Alan Weiss, consultant, speaker, and author through his consulting firm, Summit Consulting Group. He's worked with over 500 leading organizations, and we are privileged to pick his brain here in this conversation, talking about, uh, steering away from that term, return to normal and new normal, but talking a little bit more about uh, that strategy, but the right kind of strategy, and we're going to continue that conversation in just a moment when we return on the show, a lot of small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Chicago, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back, and if you're listening around the world, of course, you can download our podcast on my website, sykline.com. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. And we're back on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, sykline.com, chatting with Dr. Alan Weiss, consultant, speaker, and author. We've been talking about uh, strategic planning, being an oxymoron, um, talking about how it's not a new normal and actually uh, providing some interesting analysis from uh, prior uh, sort of disruptions, if you will. So in your new book, Alan, you described the many ways that organizations can de- rail that strategy um and we've been talking a little bit about that but you also talk about a success trap and how to stay away from falling into it can you tell us a little bit more
5: i can a lot of organizations become successful uh and they reach a plateau and they stop innovating and they stop taking risks and they pat themselves on the back and they pedal along this plateau now the problem is all plateaus will eventually erode because of the laws of entropy the key to success is to continue to grow and the key to growth is to continue to innovate. And in Sentient Strategy, I stress the need for innovation. The only way I've ever seen to coast is downhill. No one coasts uphill. So the success trap is being on a plateau and thinking you're growing.
1: Absolutely. Um, That's that's a great perspective. And I know you talk all about it in your book, but also on your website, alanweiss.com, which we'll send listeners to in just a moment. But, Alan, you have a different take on what many call the Great Resignation, or this recent trend. Maybe it's not so recent of workers leaving their jobs. Uh, I'm really curious to talk about that because that's something that comes up honestly every single week in uh, the comments section in our uh, in our show. So, what do you see as what's going on right now? And and uh, again, what's your perspective on that uh, on employment and and the uh, employment numbers?
5: Well, keep in mind that people don't leave organizations, they leave bosses. And in most organizations with which I've worked, you know, you can find two or three people who who people are leaving, and those are the people who should get to leave. The great resignation I've termed as an existential jailbreak. Uh, People leave organizations not because they need more money necessarily, but because they're not able to use their talents and be recognized for it. If you look at the literature for the last 20 years, people are motivated intrinsically, not by walking over hot coals or somebody giving them a rah-rah talk. They're motivated because they can use their talents and be recognized for the application of those talents. The great resignation also is an opportunity to cleanse a business. Don't just replace a body with a body. If somebody leaves, think about who do I need for my future business and growth, staying out of the success trap. You know, you, We also hear what? Quietly quitting. You know, I'm suggesting quietly firing. You know, Somebody comes in, says, where's my desk? You say, it's over there in the freight elevator. Hit the down button.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Alan, this is really, really interesting. So you've been involved in many uh, books. And uh, again, you're talking about sentient strategy, how to create market-dominating strategies in turbulent economies. Um, and uh, I'm really curious, what is the one takeaway? If we can leave our listeners with a homework assignment for the week ahead and they take out one thing from our conversation, what would it be?
5: Well, I would suggest that uh, sentient strategy is based on this, this axis – On the one hand, there's an appreciation of the impact of your actions on people, on customers, on uh, investors, on employees and so forth. And on the other, there's an acute awareness of the environment in which you're operating. And I think these days of social justice and diversity, especially uh, and global economies, it's important to understand both those facts, that Your actions have to be appreciated. You have to know what the result of your decision-making is. But you also have to understand the environment in which you operate because the demographics, the technologies, the social mores, uh, the economies are changing constantly and hence no normal.
1: Absolutely. No normal. Indeed. Dr. Alan Weiss, really enjoyed our conversation. I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you and pick up a copy of the book, Sentient Strategies, How to Create Sentient Strategy, How to Create Market-Dominating Strategies in Turbulent Economies. Where can we get in touch and where can we find the book?
5: Well, it's on all the major sites like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and so forth. Uh, you can also find all kinds of free resources on alanweiss.com, com of uh, video, audio, text, and plus you can also order the book if you so desire.
1: Fantastic. We'll link in the show notes as well. Alan Weiss, thank you so much. Again, alanweiss.com, A-L-A-N-W-E-I-S-S.com. Thank you so much for joining us. That's a wrap for us here on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Some really interesting conversations. And of course, we'll link to all of our guests, all of their great books and websites through our show notes. Well, We'll be back next Sunday, right here on AM560, The Answer in Chicago and wherever podcasts may be found. To success, let's get down to business.